Hello, all you podcast listeners out there, and welcome to episode 34. And I'm with my esteemed colleague, Kyle Versteg. Partner in crime, more like. Partner in crime and all that good stuff, and he's a forger. <laughs> I'm not checks a forger. And whatnot, right? I'm not a I'm not a forger yet. Okay. But I'm but I'm thinking about it. You're gonna you're gonna learn to forge uh like forge metal? Yeah. yeah. Actually, you know what? I, I I mean I say that I have an anvil and I have I can bend metal. Yeah. I can bend metal with my arms, uh-huh. my hands. I can just, you know, I can twist it and turn it. And, and I've done a lot of stuff like that with a torch before, uh-huh. not, but just not making knives. Yeah. I've not, I've not forged a knife or I've not forged an axe, but I've, um, I, I take that back. I have, I, I did, uh, um, I did one, uh, or two with Tim Zawada at a, at a uh, class that he taught. Cool. Um, so I, yes, I, I have actually, beat metal into the shape of a knife and um but I but I've used my wood stove as a forge and and I've made some ornamental things before in the past so I mean I have the I have the the ability to do that I just yeah. I don't have haven't had the time and I don't have a forge set up you got to get the one that um that I've got uh it's a three burner propane and each burner you can turn it on or off so you don't have to run it all at once Right, um, right. Uh, Lon Humphrey told me about that. Yeah, yeah. I I like, um, and I think that I think that uh, I'm shutting my some of my stuff off here. I think that my um, I think Tim's got one like that. We used a coal forge when uh, for that class. Those were a pain in the butt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's get busy here. Well, uh, well did you did you you have coal, right? I have, Yours, I have the have ability to do it either way. And I have yeah. a cold forge, um, uh, and it works, and there's no problem with it. But the the problems that I've found when you're trying to make a blade specifically is that once you start hammering in the bevels, it's literally a fraction of a second uh, between the metal is at the right temperature and the metal is melting. And so... Oh, with with a coal forge? Yeah, I thought that that was the way it was with the uh, with the propane. Forges. No, no, God, no. Propane, y- you would have to. I don't know what these guys are using, but for propane forges to melt steel would be pretty darn difficult. Huh. I'm not sure mine would do it. Huh. But I, but um, uh, coal forge, it, it's literally once you start getting into a thin hammering in the bevels and making the steel thinner like you just it's a fraction of a second and you've just got a big melted mess wow so, yeah so that's why i've kind of kind of gone away from that for blades but i still have it to make you know like 
oh, I don't know, just crap that you'd make for camp, you know, bend this and that and that sort of stuff, like chuck wagon type bullshit. Mm-hmm. So let's, we should get busy here. We got a lot of stuff to cover. Yep. Uh, this is. What, what do you want to start with? The epic the, trip? Yeah. Well, we got to <laughs> talk about, the, the, actually just talking about the PWIP trip is going to be more than enough for this episode. Right. Um, so Jim and I just got back from uh, PWIP and uh, it was, I mean, there's so much to talk about. It's not even funny. And we tried uh, to, we, we had all these like great plans of like having guests when we were down there, but like, it, it's just impossible. Like, well, it's the alcohol is flowing. The, you haven't seen friends in a while. So yet you, you don't want to do, you don't want to be playing with the recording and try to be yeah. all proper and stuff. We had guys dancing around in kilts. We had, <laughs> well, and the, and the problem is, is like to, to sit down and record something with somebody, you have to literally you have to isolate yourself and then the thing is is like it just doesn't does not work at that particular event because there's just no time at, because there, there's like 60 people there and they all want to come into our camp and talk Play. and stuff and yep. eat and and bs and all this stuff and there's you know if we if we took ourselves out of the action for long enough to record an interview like people would just interrupt. It just wouldn't, there's no right. way they would put up with it. So we just didn't get them done. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't, it wasn't a, um, it definitely wasn't an, an intentional avoidance. It just ended up being like, we kept looking at each other going, we, we, we probably ought to try to record something. And then and, like and, four <laughs> people come to camp and they're like, Hey, let's like play with this ax or this or, or the yep. next thing you know, it's time to go get firewood for the camp or for our for our particular area of the camp, or it's time to make a store run, you know, because uh, mostly uh, people just sat around and, like, drank beer all day, and right. they didn't do a whole I, lot, but meanwhile, life goes on, and, right. you know, it gets to be, like, 5 o'clock, and there's no freaking firewood. You know, in PWIP never started, never started out, didn't start out like that. This was number 13, I think. Uh-huh. And the first ones were, were, you know, you were camping up on the hill pretty meagerly. Yeah. I mean, you didn't leave. You you brought, you know, you brought things that you could eat and cook over a fire and 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 um, you know, the, all the camps were pretty pretty low key. You know? Yeah. Some guys were using makeshift shelters. Some guys were using, you know, small pocket tents and yeah, and and it wasn't a it wasn't like a family camping trip. Well, and it's it's even more than that now because people show well, up with like motorhomes and crap. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And the other thing is, is it's it's now not really a. I would say it's more of an industry event. Yeah, it's more like a gathering. Right, it, it, but it's it's more just a bunch of people getting together that that like the outdoors. They don't necessarily want to rough it. Yeah, you know, they want to smooth it out, um, and. What ends up what ends up happening is you, you end up just kicking, just kicking back by the fire and telling stories. Yeah, and and and, and visiting, and and that's what the event has completely become. But then uh, our our little corner of like the outdoors world and knife business, like that's their, that's like one of their big events. It's almost like a show for some mm-hmm. for some people. Like they'll show up with like 
full on no, booths, of, like yeah. selling stuff. And it, yeah. you know, so it, and that's fine. That's it's a good venue for that. And I'll probably, I'll probably always go to it just for that reason because it's so it's so fun. It's and it's low pressure, except for if you're the guy that it has to cook and get firewood all the time <laughs> and make yeah. all the store runs. But I don't mind that. Yeah, that's it breaks up the routine for me. Um, yeah. But we the next time we go, uh, we have to get somebody that's a worker bee and not a drinking beer bee to come along with us because like. Are you are you telling me that I'm a drinking working drinking? You're beer a worker bee. bee. Scotch. I'm a scotch drinker. You're you're a worker bee. You know, I'm a scotch we, drinker. We though. need we need a third who is not just gonna kick it kick back. We need a third that's gonna like you know go on the firewood runs and not like have to be told, hey, it's time to get firewood. <laughs> you know, it'd be nice if like some of that initiative was taken outside of just us two. But you know what? Listen, hey, one of the things over the years that's that's happened up with that is I've kind of taken on that role yeah. a lot because um, in the early days it was, um, I mean, can you imagine some of those guys with with chainsaws? No, God, no. And, and trying to run a chainsaw, well, I mean, half of them are broke right down. You know, they're not yeah. going to, you know, the bad backs and, and bad knees and bad shoulders and, 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 you know, quite honestly, it ends up being that, you know, I'm still able to do it, so that's why I do it. Right. Well, me too. Um, but but the thing is that when there's only two doing that, you know, and the, well, you don't see the, me. You didn't see me jumping up to the plate every time someone see, said you want to need to cook something. I because I, I just kind of refused doing. It. I was like, you know, we'll go. You know, I'm fucking getting firewood. You know. <laughs> well, hang on a second. Let me let this critter outside. Okay. One, one second. Don't keep barking. It's like a little explosion every time you open a door and he runs out. He's got a. He's got a. I'm free! I'm free! Yeah. Anyway, but back it, to now. But it, to 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 be fair, Ethan Becker does a, a massive amount of the cooking there. But, yeah, and so does. So but he does doesn't. The, the other so thing is Dave. Is, yeah, Dave does too. But but they don't do it alone. Is the thing. And what ends up happening is, is like, you know, the people that also got the firewood get conscripted into doing a lot of the, you know, yeah. kitchen and prep work. And thank God for uh, um, Tradewater and his wife coming over and helping with a lot of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know. I know that um, one of the things that I notice, and it's. It ends up being like lunch or breakfast becomes lunch yeah. or or brunch. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't get started till like ten ten thirty, eleven o'clock. At least ten thirty. You know. Yeah. I mean, I've drank you know a dozen cups of coffee prior to that, and. Mm-hmm. But I'm a pretty. I mean, to be honest, the the um, the uh, our camp usually gets up pretty early. Yeah, it's. We're I mean, up and, like we're six, up and at it by six thirty or so. Yeah, like six six thirty or so. You know, Dave's usually up and and getting uh, uh, getting his coffee pot going. And yeah, I mean, I I think that that's a um, uh, it's just that everybody sits around and BSs while they're drinking morning coffee. And, and that's and, that's all fine. And I I'd, I'd rather do it that way than have like an early breakfast and all this crap because then you're 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 forcing 
the schedule on, you know, and then right. then you got to worry about lunch and stuff. Right. Um, and I think when you eat at 10 o'clock, you don't feel like you only end up eating two meals a day, and then that's that's okay, too, I suppose. Yeah. Because there's all that alcohol to consume. Right. Well, <sighs> but then um, the the other thing is is that the scale of of our meals and fire is mismatched with the number of people who contribute to that. That's why I'm saying, like, we if we if we go again, we have to bring somebody with us that understands that it's not all just sitting around drinking beer and all this crap. You know, I here here's my problem is like I don't want to have to go up to an able-bodied person and tell them, "Hey, get off your ass and come help get firewood." Like, you know, I don't it shouldn't be me having to tell them do that, you know, or ask them to do it. You know, because then I feel like I'm imposing and all this stuff, and it's like, you know, be the camp bitch, right? You know, <laughs> well, no, we just need an another person who gets that. You know, it's not just there to sit around and like drink beer and and shoot the crap. That if we're gonna have a camp that has a cordon bleu chef cooking in it and heated tents and all this crap, you know, it it requires, uh, you know, some input beyond just sitting around drinking beer. You know, and there, and like you said, in our camp, there's too many people that just physically can't do it. Right. So if you're able-bodied and you're in the camp, you need to be freaking doing it. Like, I don't right. want to, I don't, I should not be coming up to you and asking you, hey, we need to get firewood. You should already have gotten it. You know, and that, and that's the kind of person we need, we need to add as a, as a third. <laughs> But, uh, well, we'll we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it'll be. I'm just a matter of, yeah, just getting people to play nicely. Yeah. Well, you know, so well, it's a wonder by the end of the weekend that somebody's not killing somebody else. I mean, I remember in some of the older days when guys would just get polluted beyond comprehension. Yeah, yeah. And but people and, were really good this time. And well, I was just going to say the reality is that most most of the guys were well. I didn't venture very far out of our out yeah. of our camp. Yeah. Um but but for the most of uh most of the time I think everybody was pretty civilized. I mean I don't think anybody got totally wasted. No, I never saw anybody that was like uh all that crap you know. Well crashed. that was the that was the funny part about the about the pole dance. He wasn't Dave drunk. Was, he wasn't drunk. Yeah. Dave was sober. He was <laughs> he was probably one of the more sober people in the camp. I know it. It was funny. He just, that he was, just it was it hilarious. Yeah, it was hilarious. So b- before we get on to other stuff about PWIP, I think we should talk about um, uh, what what our idea was for a little gathering that's a little lower in work scale. <laughs> Glibo. <laughs> no, 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 Glibo. Just glib. And that was actually Tradewater and his wife and you and I. Yeah. We're, we're talking, you know, it would be nice to just show up with, uh, you know, less stuff and not spend all our time doing store runs and getting massive, cutting. Literally, Jim and I would cut down a tree a day, sometimes two, you know, and process it into firewood. And that, and that shit takes time, you know. Yep. Um, but uh, so. And I, and I use my axe. Yeah. We, 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 I, I've been so busy, I haven't been able to get to video stuff, but because uh, uh, whenever I go out of town, the work you? just piles up. It doesn't go away. It just means I have to do more when I get back. But I've got 
a couple hours I of think video I just lost you. all kinds of stuff we did and all of this. So one of these times I'm going to get to it, but we show how to select firewood, how to select a tree. and I'm thinking I just lost that. you. I just lost Jim, so he's probably going to need to call back here. Okay, we're back. We just lost another hour and a half of material, so you're going to get a little bit shortened um, version of what we were originally going to do. Uh, let's see. Um, where were Great we? Lakes, Great Lakes Island bug out. Okay, so let's let's talk about that. So as a as a as a result of our fantastic experience at PWIP. Um, we decided to put together something that was uh, a little bit more, um, a little bit more woodsy. Um, in that, instead of having these huge campfires where you have to cut down a tree a day um, because you got to cook for 30 people, just have it be a little bit scaled down and uh, have it be so that you can, uh, you know, basically get by with a backpack of gear. And uh, you should fill them fill them in on some details about like kind of what we're thinking. I know okay. we were thinking the last week in July, first week in August, sometime in that time right. frame. Um, what I've got is an island called Boys Blank Island. Excuse me, which is um, in the pretty much in the in the Straits of Mackinac. Um, you're pretty close to civilization, yet you're pretty far from. You feel like you're in the total wilderness. Boys Blank Island is a small island. Well, not that small, but it's it has about uh, 60, I think, year-round residents on it. Um, lots of state land on there. There's an airport on there in case we have to medevac somebody out. Um, there's a ferry boat that goes across. The only way there is either by ferry boat or airplane um, or private boat. I suppose you could take a private boat there if you wanted to. Uh, what, what we were thinking was to be able to carry your weekend equipment on your back. Mm -hmm. That being said, I'm not saying that anybody needs to hike to our where we're going to be staying. Um, we'll figure out a way to, to, to move everybody and, and the equipment that they bring uh, to, the, to the site. Whether they want to bring their car, um, they can do that, but you can't. The whole point is to, to really do it in a way that if you want, if you were hiking or kayaking there, you would take that kind of equipment. So we don't want to have uh, this develop into a big car camping episode. Right, because there's already plenty of that type of activity for people to do if they want to do that. Correct. Um, the and uh, and this this is a very this is a very primitive. Uh, um, type of camping. There is no Porta Johns. There is no, you know, it, you may have to dig a latrine. Um, 
there's there's lots of water there's you know because it's an island um it's a yeah. it's a beautiful beautiful island lots of wildlife uh, a lot of fair number of coyotes um mm-hmm. uh last time i was there i was talking to one of the locals and he said that they they didn't believe that there were any bear on the island so okay. i'd have to tend to believe that but i will say that there could be wolves there and i know there's coyote there yeah um la- there's a lot of deer there too last okay. time we were there um uh, we camped on the uh, north shore right uh, right on the water there's a beautiful place there uh-huh. um and uh you have you have access to water you have access to a lot of firewood you you know and and we can pretty much um go in several different places on the island mm-hmm. and and camp uh, but i've got a uh, i've got a small little utility trailer that um we that I could bring some coolers in and and uh and haul to the site uh we can throw on some kayaks and you know we can get like if you wanted to go fishing if you wanted to go kayak fishing or something like that and the and the weather's nice you know bring your kayak right. bring your bring your inflatable if you want to uh-huh. uh, but but what we're trying to avoid is campers and and, and these big huge large scale um camps cooking events where right. we're having to cut down an entire tree of wood every day yeah and, and the other thing would be um you know just just to have more so that i don't have to spend time cooking the entire time to feed 30 people and dealing with the logistics of all of that have it be so that you know you bring like mountain house meals or like whatever what whatever you can cook easily and not have to spend the whole day doing it and cutting down like whole trees and stuff. Right. Um, have the focus be more on like monkey business in the woods than right. cooking in the woods, which right. is fine. But there's already established, um, very well established venues for um, for that particular experience. So. Right. And so really, if you want to, I suppose. You, oh, excuse me. Got the yawns now for some reason. I suppose if you. You know, I'm not going to say that you can't drive there. Yeah. But what I what I am going to say is that I I don't want to see a pop up like a easy up tents and and those kinds of things. I mean, if you want to use a shelter tent, if you want to use a you know like my my two man uh, um well I got quite a few little backpacking style tents that kayaking or canoe tents. Yeah. I don't see any problem with that. <clears throat> but try not to. You know, bring an easy up and those kinds of things. An um, easy up meaning a pull behind camper trailer type thing. Yeah, uh, well, you're, all you're, those you're sh- all those all those tent things that you spread the legs out and they pop up and there's a canvas roof and well, you know. if if they can carry it on their back, I don't care. Yeah, well, I suppose. Yeah, if but it's got to be you got to carry it on your back. Um, yeah, but some we're of the making tents, an allowance but for some, food. But some of the tents are. You know, some of the some of these people are are um, are kayak people, or they're canoe people, and so maybe they would take whatever that would be that they would put well, in a they, canoe. They'd still, ha- yeah, but they, you still have to be able to portage it, you right? Know? Right. So, like, just just people be reasonable. You know, like we're <laughs> nobody's going to be like checking to make sure and if stuff. This, but if this was it, a if this was a poster on Facebook, it would be bitch be reasonable, right? 
Yeah, <laughs> just just be reasonable, folks, and like um, you know, try to try to get with the spirit of the event. If you want to, like, do I the, would say, I would say, limit yourself to no chainsaw. Right. Um, you know, it, limit it, yourself yeah. to what you would typically carry if you were going to be on a canoe trip or you were going to be on a kayaking trip would be the absolute most you would carry. Yeah. You know, like probably the cast iron skillet probably isn't going to be something no, you're going to carry. No, that's, that's not a good option for you. Or the, or the Dutch oven might not be the best idea. Yeah, that's not a good option for you. <laughs> so this will be a good project for people to kind of, if they don't have a system already in place for how they do that sort of thing, this will be a good way for people to develop a system. How am I yep. going to cook for myself? And you will be cooking for yourself. I'm not cooking for you. I've, I've I, fucking done I, that. So you going to cook for me? Uh, you, everybody's cooking for themselves, responsible for their own dinner. You can team up with somebody, um, <laughs> but still it's not, it's going to be, you know, it's got to be hikeable and all that stuff. And it, it shouldn't be an all day thing. Right. Um, so like a steak. Yeah. On, on a, a stick. stick. <laughs> there you go. Or a big hunk of meat. You know, we can, we can, we can always, you know, plan it like a group meal where we just get like a big piece of meat or something and put it on a stick and you just walk by and carve some off or whatever. Right. I'm not opposed beans and to rice. that. That's, that's beans more and time rice. efficient. But. Beans and rice so you have some activity at night. Right. Yeah. You know, it's got to be exciting. Yeah. Um, yep. So it, 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 that sort of thing, but it's, you know, um, so that's coming. Uh, details to follow. Uh, last week in July, first week in August time frame is what we're looking at. And it's boys blank. Island. Are you still Straits recording? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Spell I'm that watching. For I'm actually watching the the. I've got everything scaled up so that I can actually see my voice waves all over this computer screen. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Um, now so even uh, when I scratch my beard, yeah, I can, can see, see the it. waves. Okay. Yep. Um, let's see. We should talk uh, about uh, PWIP a little bit. Um, oh, some of the stuff that you got. Oh, the f- first first uh, people we saw. People so, we saw. Uh, Marty Simon was there. L.T. Wright was there, knife maker, formerly Blind Horse Knives. He was Dan, set up uh, 10 feet away from uh, Battle Dan, Horse Knives. Yeah, Battle Horse. <laughs> Dan. Joe Flowers showed. He did some classes. Um, you were, you're not implying that it's not all rainbows and unicorns with those two. No, because I don't know, and it's none okay, of my business. I don't either. Yeah. I'm just curious. Um, but but they were they were camped ten feet apart from each other, which is always interesting. Um, not that I have any inside knowledge of anything, but it's just interesting when it'd be like camping two feet away from your ex-wife. <laughs> you know, it, it's that kind of a thing because business relationships are pretty darned. Uh, you know what I well, mean? Well, and it wouldn't have been. Um, it's not like it was. Camping two feet away from his ex-wife and her new boyfriend. Yeah, that sort of thing. <laughs> Who is a <laughs> or or your ex-husband and your ex-wife is is parked next to you and you got your beautiful new blonde receptionist. Right. So you know it, it it's just a interesting dynamic to see, <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. Um, so those guys were there. Uh, let's see. Uh, of course, Skinny Dave, uh, new guy I met, Sammy, was in our camp. 
Yep. Uh, Chance Sanders showed and gave a pretty awesome uh, forging class. I think people got a lot out of. Yep. And that was actually a lot of fun. Yep. It was and, actually, uh, I ended up with a couple hooks for my uh, for my um, cowboy rig, for my hanging over the fire stuff. Yep. Chance whipped whipped a couple of those into shape. Yep. And did a, did a nice job. Then, uh, um, of course, Ethan Becker showed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, he got a new camp. He, he got a new camp, a new canteen. Yep. And we'll talk about that. Um, and lots of other people like Chuck Sims, uh, and then tons of people that are friends with me on Facebook. But here's a pro tip, people: if you're a Facebook friends with me and your Facebook image is a flower, and you walk up to me, I'm not going to know who the hell you are. <laughs> because the the person who has the flower is their profile picture. Is like, maybe it's Joe, Joe Flower. Right. It could be anybody. You know. So if you if 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 you here's a pro tip: your Facebook profile picture should actually have your picture in it. <laughs> you, not a flower, a, not a frog, not that's something a good else. idea. Right. That's because a good idea. because the thing is, is then they then people come up to you and they're like. Oh hi, you know I'm so and so, and it's like oh okay, but but a lot of times they don't even introduce themselves; they just walk up to you and expect you to know who they are from their flower picture, whatever. But <laughs> but anyway, Chuck Sims was there. He was camped just up the hill. Cool guy. Uh, mm-hmm. He he went minimalist actually. He went exactly like we're describing. Back. He went native. Yep. He went. Did he, he go native? He have underwear on. Oh, I'm sure he did. Assless chaps. Anyway, he um, he, he he was there, and he had uh, he he went minimalist. Did it? Hey, stayed with the spirit of it. Are you recording? Yes. Okay, I just thought I'd check. Yeah, yeah. The, the recording <laughs> issues have never been on my end. Um, Bullshit. For the record. Um, let's see. Now, uh, here's uh. So now we should talk about knives that we bought. Um, obviously I bought a lot of stuff at Smoky Mountain Knife Works, uh, and, uh, a siren, all kinds of stuff. Um, both Jim and I, air raid siren. Yeah. I bought an air raid (laughs) siren, which, which was, went over like a lead balloon. Um, both Jim and I brought, bought, uh, Chris Brookshire, B-R-O-O-K-S-H-E-A-R custom knives. Uh, that's his company. And we both bought knives from him. Uh, they're like little drop point hunters. Uh, Jim's has uh, like diamond wood uh, scales, and mine has uh, ivory micarta. And the, he's got uh, great fit and finish. But then the other thing that he does that's a little different is he works with 52100 and then um, blues it. And so both Jim and I got one of his. And then I bought one from Dan from Battle Horse Knives. Um, I have a picture of it on my Facebook page. If you're not Facebook friends with me, um, that's a your problem. <laughs> Just friend me. <laughs> my, uh, my, uh, I, but I make myself intentionally hard to find. Um, you have to look for K-R and then Versteg, V-E-R space S-T-E-E-G. Otherwise, you won't be able to find me. And I've got a picture of that on there. It's basically like a Schrade Sharp Finger or a Schrade 152. Um, but a little less aggressive with a lot better fit and finish and a way cooler handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what else did you buy? Um, I bought a Gransforth 
splitting mall. The $175 one. Yeah, on a good day. Let's hear a, let's hear a review because the, <clears throat> literally Jim and I chop down a tree a day. And um, uh and, and, I, and I actually it. chopped down a tree with my felling axe too and it worked w- phenomenally. Yep. Worked both of cut us, down uh, both of um, us did. It was awesome. Yeah. Cut down a um scrub oak yep. that was standing and the cuts in it are were unbelievable how much I mean it was a chip throwing fool. Yep. But back to the but back to the splitting mall. Um I'm not I hate buying things retail. Mm-hmm. Something about it, I don't know what it is. I, I know so many people in the industry, in a, a lot of different industries, that most of the time I can get something for cost. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Grantsworth is not in that camp. I don't know anybody that I can call up and say, hey, can I get a so-and-so, such-and-such model? Okay, no problem. Right. So I broke down, and I and I got a um, well. A friend of mine asked me if I had one, and I said, "Well, no, I don't, because they're pricey." And I da 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 da, and I never found the need to buy one. Right. And uh, so we're going through. And he said, "Well, I'd like to make one. So if you run across one, I'd like to at least get some pictures of it so I can make one." So when I'm down there, that just kept playing on my head that. Hey, maybe if I pick one of these up, I can get him to make two, one for me and one for him. Yeah. So that was kind of the plan. So I so I bought this thing and I was when I first looked at it, I was like, "Well, that's kind of weird because it's got a deep hollow grind. It's like a progressive uh a progressive hollow grind in it, which is very unusual for a um for a splitting mall. It's it's like the opposite of what all of the splitting malls are that you see." Right. So I was like, okay, is this maybe for splitting birch? Maybe this won't work for splitting our wood here because what they, the Swedes have there is like no hardwood. Yeah. So I, in the back of my head, that's what I'm thinking. It's like, man, this might not be like the best splitting mall because of our, of the wood that we have here. Now, um, I was wrong. That split that uh, that oak that we were burning very nicely. Did a yep. great job. No problem. Um, I've got some wood up here that I'm going to shove it into and see if it splits, which is um, some beech wood, mm-hmm. which is a miserable split. Um, and uh, we'll see how that works out. And some mm-hmm. I got some gnarly maple that's got to come down this year that that uh we'll see if we'll see how it does in that mm-hmm. but all in all i'm very impressed with it um it's it's a uh must be about an eight pound head mm-hmm. and man it's it's split quite nice mm-hmm. uh, i was i was very impressed uh, and so i'm going to bring it over and and uh tim is going to take some measurements off of it and maybe we can get two of them out of there yeah a forged one that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, and these are forged too. Yeah, I know, but the forged. I mean, I actually think that that friend. if you and the, the thing is, is that you know, I was thinking about well, I could just take a regular splitting mall and put this grind on it. But the problem that you have is that most splitting malls you'd remove that much material and you'd lose the weight of the you lose the weight of the mall because that mm-hmm. you know you start out with an eight pound mall. And you take off two pounds of steel. Now you got a six pound mall. 
Yeah. And and this thing is eight pounds of maul, but it's already has that two pounds removed. Yeah. You know, so um I don't know. It's it it'll be uh it'll be interesting to see the you know, Tim's take on it, but the po- the pole on this is actually fairly heavy. Um and and I think that that's the that's the key to it. Yeah. Um, and it's got a nice handle on it. Uh you know, and it did did a nice job. I mean, I got yeah. no complaints. A lot of guys used it while we were there and uh some guys respected it and some guys threw it, you know, in the dirt yeah, with the, left with it the left cover it in off a freaking pile because, yeah. you know, that's what you do with uh someone else's $180 freaking splitting mall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh Anyway, oh, I that got out. My wife is going to know how much I paid for it now. I'm going to get an ass ramen. <laughs> well, that's the way it works, you know. Okay, so um so I got that and then um my good friend Dave, skinny Dave, mm-hmm. just got back from Africa and uh brought me a spool of parachute cord. Yeah, cargo. That's cargo chute cord, which is flat and wide. Yep. And, uh, of course, the spool was broke in travel. So I had to unspool it all and re-spool it all, mm-hmm. which I did it without cutting one piece of it. <laughs> yeah, that would take so forever. So I was pretty, I was, I was pretty, I had two dowel rods with that, you know, and I was, I, I basically unspooled the one rod onto the floor. And then, um, which, when you, whenever you have one of those spools broke, the ends come off of it, which they don't come off like it would come off as a spool. It comes off the side of it. Yeah. So you you can't just unspool it because it just starts getting all tangled up more and more and more. So you end up having to, to when you get to a certain spot, you have to, like, unwrap it. Yeah. You know, and then you end up with a ball of it on one side, and you're unwrapping it around, you know, the spool. Anyways, yep. I got it all the way off. Then I got it put back on a... a a, a nice, a good, a good spool. So, uh, I'm all excited about that. Yep. Now for people that have never seen cargo parachute cord, and I fully confessed, I'd never seen it before. You can find it on the interwebs. Amazon.com has it. It's uh 28 strand and it's thousand pound test as opposed to the 550 that regular paracord is. It's flatter and it's braided. Um, the other thing is is that I have only ever been able to find it in 50-foot hanks. So if you find a 1,000-foot source of that, um, hit us up, uh, podcast at knifejournal.com, and I will buy a 1,000 feet of it. Um, <laughs> it's it's pretty cool stuff, I tell yeah. you what. It is... Well, it's, it's, you show up with that, and you've got, uh, again, me being honest, um, it's, it's cool guy stuff, you know. <laughs> and uh, if you've got that parachute cord and, like, other people have like regular parachute cord. They're going to be like, "Oh, where'd you get that?" And you're going to be like, <laughs> oh, "This is cargo parachute cord." That's right. That's um, right. So well, you didn't buy any other knives? I guess um, probably not. No, I don't think I did actually. I got I got that one. Uh huh. Um. No, pretty much I didn't. But you know what? Um. The tracker knives were a big. Uh, yeah, we'll get we're to that. Actually, we're actually a big success. I mean, we'll, I was surprised at we'll, that. We'll get to that. 
Um, okay. Uh, I, I wanted to quick cover the gear that we saw that was that was cool because a lot of oh. times you go to this stuff and it's like, um, uh, you 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 walk away having seen all of this cool stuff. Um, you know what? You know what I was impressed with, huh. and and a lot of people kind of gonna laugh at this. One of one of Dave's friends came, uh, mm-hmm. a new friend for us, and um, he brought a brace and bit and some old timey woodworking stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, he made a stool and he made some walking sticks and he made some, you know, and, you know, he really, I think, captured some of the spirit of that, of that yeah. event. And it was really kind of neat. He made several different stools to sit on and, and, uh, he had a, had a vice that you put into a tree. Yep. And, and, uh, and, a, and some draw knives and some spoke shaves and, and, uh, he had a brace and bit. And another dealie that he was able to carve uh, the legs so yep. that they would fit into the brace and bit hole. Yep. Um, very cool stuff. I mean, that was, you know, I cut some slabs with a chainsaw for him, fairly thick, so that he could make some big stools. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, making big stools. You were making you were making loose stools. <laughs> <laughs> and and guys would sit on the top of that. Um, the the uh the wooden stool that he had made and I would walk up and say don't you think that needs a stool softener <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway um but the uh the stools were the 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 ability to make that was kind of cool yeah you know and I, it made me think well maybe I should dig out my old bracing bit and you know spoke shave and a draw knife and Make some make some wood make some cool and, stuff. Yeah, some cool. Well, stuff. and then and then well, that's that's one of the things you know you don't necessarily have to bring that stuff, but just playing around with with knives and stuff is kind of one of the things that we didn't necessarily have a huge amount of time for that we're going to want to get back to doing at Glib. Right. Um. Let's see. Uh. So there was. Is, there was is yours that. still recording? Yeah, mine's recording. Okay. There's no problem on mine. Just thought I'd check. Um. Let's see. So, getting on to cool gear that we saw. Ethan Becker brought two things that I want to talk about. The first is the canteen um, cup, stove, and uh, kit from um, canteenshop.com. Now, that, this this thing is very cool. That is the one that you immediately buffed off the... Yes. Well, so I, I ordered it because I saw Ethan's. It's really cool. Just to explain what it is. It's a USGI canteen that they've taken and um, put a wide mouth on with a wide mouth uh, cap. It's not the standard wide mouth Nalgene size, um, but it's wider than um, the traditional uh, USGI canteen. Then it's got the canteen cup that has a handle on it that locks that you can lock in place once it's out. And then it's got a little stove that you can that you can set the canteen cup on um, to cook your food. Uh, and then it comes comes if you buy the kit, it comes with a Molly cover. You can choose um, tan or uh, like a couple different things. And there's a couple now, different options even with that. Is that a full quart or is that more than a quart? It's it's more than a quart. Um, so so the whole thing is actually a little bit bigger than a regular standard GI canteen. Yeah, it just just a touch. Um, it's it's a it's probably a few ounces over a quart. Because um, uh, I so because I, I know it. the the cup is a little bit. Taller, yeah. Correct? The and cup the, holds twenty-five ounces, um, and then yeah, see, the, the stand. I don't know what ours does? The stand um, 
turns into well so, so it's like a little wood stove little twig stove which I am not I am not a fan of twig stoves not enough heat not enough coals too much monkey business um I do not like twig stoves but uh you can use it either as a twig stove or you can put a um alcohol burner under there or some some of the fuel tabs you know the uh the try whatever it is um fuel tabs you can use so it's got that um and uh got all kinds of neat stuff uh and you can you can take that stand and put it in the fire and cook that way so you've got something level to set your canteen cup on also on canteenshop.com they sell uh a uh Rothko makes a canteen cup lid so that you can cook with now the thing that i'm attracted to with this particular kit is that um it's it's a little bit more traditional than a lot of the stuff that i use um but there are they've been around so long it's such a proven platform and so many people have used them that if you want to learn how to cook over a campfire there are plenty of resources um that will show you recipes, uh, tips, techniques, and everything for how to basically get by with a USGI um, canteen cup. Uh, and, and it's, you know, it's got like a, I don't know, were, were these World War One or World War II vintage? Uh, they started out in World War One. Yeah. That, so, because I, I have some, I have some uh, 1918 versions. Yeah. And then, but there's several different <clears throat> variants of the, of the GI canteen. They started out as stainless steel and then they morphed into an aluminum. Okay. Uh, the stainless steel ones, you can actually boil water in them. Yeah. You know, and then uh, the cups morphed from the style handle that you have with that that folds under uh-huh. to a double D-ring handle. Okay. And um, guys that uh, guys that use them all the time like the double, or not the double D-ring, but the fold under handle better because you can attach a, actually attach a stick to it. Uh-huh. And hold it over a fire. Yeah. Because the handle is such a way that it, it works pretty easy to do that. Um, you know, you can you can use a... I mean, I think Marty has a little ring on his that um, that basically he he cuts a stick and puts it in that... Shoves it into that little ring and it kind of wedges it as a long handle. Yep. Works extremely well for that. Um, the thing about that kit is the fact that it's a little bit bigger <clears throat> because it, um, like I said, I think that the cup is a little bit taller. I'm not sure that the d- dimensionally it's, a, it's ex- I mean, I don't know if the, I guess the next time you come up here, we'll, we'll compare that. Yeah, I'll bring and, it. And see if, yeah. see if my, if my canteen cup will fit over the top of that canteen. It probably won't. Probably uh-huh. it's a little bit bigger. Yours is a, that's a little bit bigger. Okay. But, um, the the only thing I can't get my head around is the the cover. Um we yeah. we talked a little bit about this the other day about the about the cap and the mouth. Uh-huh. You would think that they would have made that like a wide mouth um uh which I I don't like a wide mouth Nalgene bottle which it's, is on all the Camelbacks now and on, on all the of the problem problem being that the wide mouth uh from the camelback thing is wider than the canteen. So there's there's no possibility that you could let's see if I got one up here handy. I guess I don't, but there's no hey, hang, hang no on, possibility. I have one hanging right here. Hang on one second. Mm-hmm.
is. That might be a uh, a Nalgene bottle size. It's it not. may be. We it's could not. be just I, misreading I com- that. No, it's not. I compared it. Look. This this is the this is the size I'm talking about. Okay, then it's probably that. That's not that's not the standard um This wide is the standard na- yes. Nalgene. Well, this is an Nalgene bottle. This is an Nalgene bottle. Okay, well then they must make two different two different wide mouth sizes. And it's 2 inches. Okay. This is what my a 2 inch opening. Is is that thing a 2 inch opening? I can measure it. Because that is that is what my water purifier snaps over the top of that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, at any rate, I, I don't think I have a like I said, I do have a ruler handy, but uh, there's I, there must be different sizes because the wide mouth Nalgene bottle that I don't have one up here to measure. Yeah, this is exactly two inches. Yes, yeah, so, so it's the same size as these, the Camelbacks and right Camelbacks. But there's a there's a wide mouth Nalgene bottle um, that I think has a little bit wider mouth than this even, and I, that's what I thought you were talking about. Anyway, um, oh, so that's handy and that makes a big yeah, difference. The the kit, um, I'm going to play with it. It it is a little bit heavy. Um, I I tend to to go pretty light on my cooking stuff. My current setup is a Moore's pot um, plus minus a, an MSR Titan. Um, and and that's typically what I've been using. This thing is fairly what's, what's freaking What's an MSR heavy. Titan? Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little pot. Um, it's made out of titanium, and it's got a lid. Uh, it's, well, yeah, but that system's carrying water. Yeah, this one carries water, too, but I, I would then... What I typically do on the big big hauls is I just I don't even a lot of times I don't even buy a canteen or bring a canteen I'll just get a two liter bottle and fill that with water. Although the Nalgene uh, canteens are nice because you can um, or Nalgene uh, water bottles are nice because you can get water into that wide mouth a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, than than you can like a two liter bottle. So mm-hmm. a lot of the times um, me getting water is out of something that's like maybe a cow footprint or something, um, true story, or like a little teeny tiny shallow puddle. And there's other ways to do it, but it's nice. If you drink you your just... own piss? No, I've never done that, never will. Um, Why not? Because it's not, It's not. you can't do that. That's not Bear, a survival did thing. It. Who? Bear, Bear Grylls did it. Well, then he must be some sort of a hu- superhuman because normal See. humans cannot get any kind of... He's a ninja. Right. Anyway, um, I, actually, I think it was not. I think it was. My, it might have been cow piss. I don't know what he drank. Um, but at any rate, don't drink shit that you shouldn't be drinking. Um, and you shouldn't be drinking pee. Okay, it was. I'm not even going to go into it. It's just fucking foolishness. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> don't fucking light your arm on fire, you jackass. I don't need to explain that to you. You're just an idiot. Okay, and I'm not allowed to use the R word anymore. So you're an R well, word. you can. You can. Anyway, it's just fucking stupid. That's why. I could go into a 30-minute fucking scientific explanation of it, but I shouldn't have to. You should fucking already know that, people. <laughs> Anyway, canteen kit is neat. Um, the other thing that Ethan Becker brought that I thought was neat is uh, 
Wallace Cordage Mariner brand decoy line? It's tarred twice. What is it? What do you, what do you call it if it's if if you have a piece of line and it's you tar it once and then you tar it again, Jim? It's retard. Right. So we I have a <laughs> retard decoy line. Now the, the reason I like this decoy line is that it's, uh, it's special. <laughs> okay, we're now we're really going to get in trouble, so we're going to get off of that thread. Okay, no, um, seriously, but that that stuff is actually really good. The reason the reason I like it better than my regular tarred bank line is that it's smoother on the outside and it's not tacky. Most of the other decoy lines that I have used are tacky and they're not smooth and they they can burn your hands and stuff. This so far this stuff is really good. They they have two sizes, the 36 pound and the 18 pound. Um, one does is that a, stuff, does that stuff burn pretty well? I mean, you can yeah, use the length of it, it as a yeah, fire you, starter. Yeah, it, it, it'll burn like like nobody's business. Um, but it's uh, they t- they make two sizes, the 18 pound and the 36 pound. The 18 is is like 240 pound test. The 36 is 360 pound test. Now I know there's some guy sitting at home going, whoa, uh, you know, I I have a 550 paracord. Okay, well, 500 feet of 550 paracord is going to be as big as a baseball. 500 feet of uh, tarred bank line is is like as big as a candle. Okay, um, you you save in both weight and space, but you are sacrificing the difference between like 360 pound test and 550 pound test. Um, I have yet to see a situation where I used the full capability of paracord. Um, however, I have been in a lot of situations where. I wish I wasn't carrying so much damn bulk and so much damn weight, which is why tarred bank line is nice. Um, the other thing that's really nice about tarred bank line is uh, it's, uh, you know, you can use it in and out of water. It's not going to get hurt. You can, uh, you can, you know, people literally take this stuff and they'll tie like bait to it and, They'll have it in like seawater and stuff, and it doesn't degrade, doesn't have problems. Uh, good product. Um, again, it's uh, Wallace Cordage Mariner brand decoy line, and I now am the proud owner of 2,000 feet of that stuff. What well, you know, and that, that stuff up here, um, guys use net needles and uh, <clears throat> and nylon cord. The fishermen up here, yeah. They use that stuff like duct tape. Yep. And and I've got a fair number of those net needles, and I'm going to strip off a couple. I'm going to put that stuff on it. Cool. And if for you know those things that you carved in, uh, or maybe maybe it was Moore's carved uh, when you were up in the in the forest. Those netting needles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, take one of those and and put that bank line in it. Yeah, and it's it you know it's a good repair kit. The other thing, um, the other reason I like it is, uh, you know, all these guys are like, well, I got my knife, I'm going to make a spear, I'm going to go catch a deer, and I'm going to do all of this. No, you're not. No, you're not. (laughs) What you're going to do is you're going to go fish if you want to (laughs) live. And very efficient way of fishing is with a net. Yeah, guys guys up here, like I said, they use those those net needles. They use Mm -hmm. that stuff like fishing or like, um, uh, like duct tape. They will lash things together that you can't even. I mean, they hold their boats together with this stuff sometimes to get back home. They, you know, it's, yeah. we'll just go underwater and we'll like, we'll lash the rudder back on. Yeah, 
they, they do stuff like that. I mean, it's amazing what they do. Um, yep. You give a you give a fisherman a net needle with line, a boat oar, and a piece of canvas, and he'll build a ship and go to England. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> next know? next cool piece of gear uh, that I saw: uh, Yeti coolers. Um, Yeti Yeti coolers. Right. A bunch of people showed up with those. The deal with them is they're extremely expensive, which immediately puts it into a team style gear <laughs> and cool guy cool guy style gear but the there's two claims to fame they're they're overbuilt in the way that if you compare like a plano case to a pelican case like you know there's a big difference it's the same thing with like a regular cooler and a yeti cooler they're overbuilt <clears throat> um and because of that overbuilding they're bear proof like they those things hit the have been around for like three years now, three or four years now. They're just starting to really like when you start seeing them in Bass Pro Shop. That's uh, and I don't know where they came from. If they came from, they must have come from the fishing industry because because yeah. they are very yeah. very slick looking. And they look like they belong on a nice boat. Right. Know, they look and like they belong on a hundred thousand dollar boat. So claim to fame number one is they're overbuilt and bear proof because of it. Claim to fame number two is that you you can. Uh, if you take and like pre-charge it, so take a bag of ice that you're going to use as a burner, put it in there, wait a couple hours, uh, take that bag of ice out, and then put your real ice and your real stuff in there. They recommend a ratio of two uh, volumes of ice for every volume of monkey business, and you will literally keep ice and keep your stuff cold for three days. If that would be a perfect. It. That would be a perfect cooler for dry ice. Yeah, well, and this and they, the other claim to fame is that it's dry ice approved. Yeah, meaning you yeah, can put it in there and it won't crack your cooler. Right. Um, so that's that's uh, another good thing about the Yeti coolers. A bunch of guys had those. I'd never seen one before, and I was pretty blown away. Um, next thing, uh, there were two pairs of boots that showed up that that you could literally. We probably would have a. Someday we need to do a, a, an entire episode. Maybe our next episode we'll talk about um, minimalist shoes and all those sorts of things. But Chance Sanders had a pair of Feelmax boots uh, that are, that are minimalist boots, and uh, uh, Joe Flowers had Lem's Boulder boots. And uh, basically, for it, 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 what a minimalist shoe is, is it's. Uh, Right, it's like a ninja boot. Uh, only it is a ninja boot. There's no question about it. Right. Well, so but but you know there's there's the kind of a that big needs. The only thing that that needs is the separate toe thing, so that you could like like when you're climbing up a rope. Right. But now you you like moccasins. Love moccasins. Okay, I like moccasins. Um, do you do you wear? Do you sometimes wish that your moccasins had the capability of of going in wet and muck and not being ruined. Yeah. Okay, that's all this is. It's you're basically taking the functionality. So it's, a modern, the, it's a modern version of a moccasin. Right. You're taking the functionality and the things that you like about your moccasins, and you're modernizing it so that you can use it in inclement weather and inclement conditions. Is all. Mm-hmm. Um, I that now I have a pair of these Feelmax because I got them, and I also have ordered a pair of the limbs. Those are not here yet. Uh, here are my thoughts. When I put them on, it was like, these are wrestling shoes. Only the difference being wrestling shoes have been around for like 60 years, and they've figured out all of the um, fit issues that come with 
with that style of thing, and they figured out all the durability issues. Where does this thing wear out? Where do stitches pop in that? And they've had 60 years to figure that out and, and tweak the system, whereas the Feelmax is not there yet. Um, it does not have... Uh, it, it does not suck in appropriately where your arch is on a minim, if you're not, if you're going to have a minimalist shoe that has no arch support, um, you need to, you need to, that, that arch needs to come up and conform to the bottom of your foot. Um, See, those sound, those sound like, like my old, like my track spikes from high school. They're not. Your track spikes weight. were better. Your, your track spikes were better, but we, we spent uh, we lost the audio, but we spent literally a half an hour on this discussion. I don't have time to redo it now, but we will revisit the whole minimalist shoe thing um, in great detail in another episode. Um, but anyway, Fine. The, just cut me off <laughs> because I got to go. I got I got 10 minutes, dude. You still got you got still got the runs. No, Um <laughs> Let's see. The other thing that I saw um, was Jim had a parachute bag. Uh, Rothko makes a parachute bag. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Explain what this is. Okay. A chute bag is basically what you pack a parachute in. And they, yep. they've kind of evolved now, and guys are using them, and they call them kit bags. Right. So they put, like, I mean, you can put, like, all of your, let's say you're going on a camping trip. You want to put all your crap that you're going to, in your for your backpack into one place all of your stuff you can put it in a kit bag zip it up mm-hmm. lock it throw it under the belly of a plane and you're good to go yeah and it's a and it's a pretty much a big old bulletproof type bag right um and it's about the size of a large suitcase you can right. cram a lot of stuff in it yep. and and when you think that you can't zip it up anymore you can cram more stuff in it yeah <laughs> it's I like mean, the, it's like it's, a sea bag it's fully ama- yeah it's like a it's like a a more, an easier to get to your stuff sea bag. Yeah, and that's you know? that's why I like it. See, yeah. I've always I've I I have a sea bag and I like it, but the problem is is like you, once you get into it, like uh, if something's at the bottom, like forget it. So sea bags are sea- great if you're going from point A to point B and you're going to stay at point B for a while. You have you have a sea bag? Who is she? Dude, <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. Um, <laughs> But the, uh, so speaking of sea bags, speaking of sea bag, that Rothko bag is, there's several companies that make that. Uh huh. Cause you can get them, like that bag is lined so that it actually is kind of waterproof. Yeah. Like if the outside of it gets wet, it's not going to soak through. There are some bags like that that are canvas, they're, they're lighter, uh-huh. but they, but your shit will get wet. Okay. If, it, if it's if it's outside, it's gonna get wet in there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that one is. That one's been. Uh, that's the bag that I one of the bags I carried when I was overseas. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it's easy, it's easy to get your stuff in and out of it, and you you know that with a small carry on backpack, and you're pretty much golden. You can carry yeah. you know you can carry a month's worth of gear in that. Clothes and, and that I, kind of stuff. I like I like duffel bags. Um, my current duffel bag is an REI, but I can already tell that thing's going to fall apart because I, I mean, I use it and yeah. abuse it and stuff, but a parachute bag is, is like that only a little bit, a little yep. bit juicier. Now yeah, um, you can Google, you can Google parachute bag or kit bag and you'll, yeah. you'll see what we're talking about. And they're, uh, they're pretty prevalent. They're not horribly expensive. 30, 40 bucks. You, yep. you, you pretty much can go to an army surplus store, Yep. you know, and get one. Um, 
They're they're very they're very cool. Yep. And let's see. Uh, I I bought so I went on Marty's Marty Simon. Uh, he does a a plant walk where he talks about medicinal plants and things like this. And um, uh, I learn a ton every single time I go with them. And uh, I'm a big skeptic when it comes to like this does this and this does that and like hippie shit. I like. I'm like a huge skeptic of all of that, but he, the information that he presents is, is not only factually correct, it's medically correct. And right. he, um, recommended, um, four different books and I bought all of those books and I'm going to make a concerted effort to bring them along so that I can, you know, gradually get better at IDing some he, plants. He's, in the woods. he's one of the few guys that really does know plants. I mean, he is exceptional. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter what region he's in either. There, he knows yeah. um, he's he's the, good. The name of the name of his his deal is um, Wilderness Learning Centers. Mm-hmm. He has been doing this since 1988 on his own. Yeah. Prior to that, he did it for the army. Yep. And um, the guy knows his stuff. He is a very sharp cookie. Um, He's up in uh, New York. He has a mm-hmm. couple get-togethers every year, one in the spring, one in the fall. I'm going to try to make that. Yeah, he's he's uh he's he's quite the he's quite the knowledgeable individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, like I said, he he's probably one of the better plant guys that I know. Yep. He recommended the only one that I've seen that is of his at his level is Morris Kahansky. Yeah. That's he, the only and he's one like that's the, He's like level. the same vintage almost. Yeah, I mean, except Moore's is a little older, but um, they're be, yeah. they're basically the same. They basically are on that knowledge level with wilderness yeah. plants. Um, and I've never seen anybody else who came even close. Um, so he recommended four books, and I'll just quickly list them. Um, three of them are Peterson's guides. And uh, one is a field guide to wildflowers. The other one is a field guide to wild edible plants. And the other one is a field guide to medicinal plants and herbs. And then he recommended a fourth book that was that's uh, much less polish and luster, but ties the other ones together real well. Called the Herb Book by John Lust. Who was who was what book was it that that fellow that was um, oh. The fellow that ran away and went to Alaska and ended up dying. Oh, uh, oh, that, in, that guy. Into the no, wild. It, into yeah, the wild. that was some he, crazy book. Um, that was that listed like, poison like, plants and edible plants, like right next to each other. And yeah, the problem was is that that was that book. If I'm remembering, <clears throat> I read the book, but I didn't read the plant book. But I think it was like some, you know university press printed thing where they printed like a hundred copies or something and he got one of them and it was plants native to that region or whatever. Yeah. And it um, was, and, and it didn't like he mistake one plant for another plant or something. Yeah. Because there's, they they're real close and but that's what they think happened. I think he just freaking starved to death. Sorry. Um, we, we could, we could do a whole episode on that, but, uh, at any rate, um, so those are f- four books that Marty recommended and I got those. Um, let's talk about the trackers because I have, I have 10 minutes, uh, 15 minutes. Okay. Um, so for those that don't know if this is your first episode, um, the first thing you should know is that we wander around a lot and, uh, we talk 
about knives, but we talk about a lot of other monkey business as well. So this, think of this as um, a, a podcast about knives like Car Talk is about cars. We touch on it, but that's not the only thing we talk about. The, right. the the other thing is is that everything we're talking about has a backstory, and you can find that in other episodes. So with right. these tracker knives, um, we uh, worked with uh, Mike Stewart at Bark River Knives to make uh, a tracker style knife. So uh, again, there's a big backstory to this in in probably 15 episodes of the podcast. Um, I'm not going to go over all of it again, but we basically made. Uh, Four um, tracker knives in this in the style of uh, Tom Brown uh, tracker knife, um, and the model that we looked at specifically was made by Beck. Yep. And so Mike uh, took that and made it workable as a custom knife and made 24 blanks. We got four of them. All four showed up at uh, PWIP, and then 20 more he finished, put up for sale, and they were gone in two hours. Yep. So um, <laughs> I, I would look for those. Uh, name any other knife that they've ever made that sells in two hours, 20 of them. That's crazy right. talk. And they didn't even it's... publicize it. No. That's that's no. just that's just craziness. Like and it went and, on it went on two different websites and they were gone in they were two, gone hours. In two hours. Like because mm-hmm. literally we found I, I saw we were driving down and I saw Mike's post on it. And I'm like, oh, hey, the tracker knives are for sale. And then two hours later, oh, they're all gone. But but like you know selling selling ten of these knives and there are ten knives on two different sites for a total of twenty in two hours. What else does that? Do you think yeah. they they don't sell like you know? I can't imagine selling that many knives that quickly. Anyway, yeah. so they all sold. They're all gone. But look for look for more of them in the future. Um, yeah. More details on that later. Anyway, we brought four <laughs> down to test, and we were shocked and awed. Everybody was everybody that that had an open mind that picked it up uh, could see the benefits and used it and could see the benefits of it and was um, was like shocked. Yes, if you were if you were already jaded or you already had a preconceived notion like I had um, that they were just a silly knife, a silly design. Um, you looked at it differently after using it for a while. Yeah, uh, it's it's actually a very useful tool. Mm-hmm. Most of the stuff can be done with other knives. I, I don't want to. I don't want to say that it's like the magic of knives. Right. But most of the stuff that if you're skilled with a knife, you can do almost everything else with it. Yep. Um, you add a knife and a and a and a uh, a hatchet. And you can do everything else in it. Yep. Um, but having it all in one package was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, it's it's a it is definitely a fun design to play with. Um, I think that uh, the more you play with it, the more you learn to appreciate the different things that it can do. Yep. Like I said, I was I was very impressed when you when you pick it up and you and you hit something with you cut some chop something with it. Uh huh. When you strip bark with it, when you when you start carving stuff with it, it was it it performed very well. Yep. And the other thing is, is like a lot of people who were skeptical of it um, and then picked it up and used it were like fans afterwards. Yeah. 
Okay, Sur- su- surprisingly, right? But then there was only one guy, and I'm not going to say who it is, um, that looked at it and said, uh, "That's a piece of crap." And I'm like, "Oh, you should try it." And he's like, uh, "No, I'm not going to try it." Blah blah blah. And that was because he had some um, personal issues with with Tom Brown, not because the knife was bad. Right. Um, and you know, uh, and that's and it's kind of funny because that happens a lot. Uh huh where you have an issue with somebody and all of a sudden you can't use it because you have an issue with them. Right. You know, I, whether it's right or wrong or indifferent, it happens a lot. I, yep. I don't, I don't, I don't have an opinion about that. Cause maybe I'm like that too. Maybe you're like that too. Oh, maybe, um, <laughs> maybe I'm know. a lot like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we won't go there. Right. Um, Hey, but to each their own. But I, yeah. I just, I just will say that uh, it, it was amazingly useful. I was, I was totally prepared to, to go out and, and uh, find all these faults with it. Um, I mean, is it, is it the be all end all? It, you know, probably not. But um, I thought it was a great, great knife, and I really yep. enjoyed it. There's a couple things that I would, uh, I'm going to tweak. Um, surprisingly, and I think you'll even, you'll even say this, the sweet spot was, yeah. was different than we thought it was going to yep. be. I thought the sweet spot was going to be way far back and it was considerably farther forward than I, than I thought it was going to happen. So, mm-hmm. you know, can teach an old dog. <laughs> right. Well, you know, and then teach an old dog. So, so here's a couple things after playing with them that I thought I, I would, uh, change um mine was different than than uh what you guys were using because it it uh i clipped the point a little bit more because i liked the look of it Mm -hmm. and one of the i'm just going to be honest one of the main things i like about this knife is it just looks badass and so it looks even more badass if you clip the point a bit um the uh the other thing is that i would change is uh the two handles that people um, centered around as being the comfortable ones were mine, which which only had the one um, finger groove, and Tim's, which had the two finger grooves, but which was very very neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's uh, no, it wasn't Tim's. It, his is his was too flat. They said it was um, the one that Mike ground for uh, Brian. Mm-hmm. So the, the two that people gravitated towards were the Bark River stock model which mm-hmm. has the two finger grooves um, and basically a uh, Mike knows how to do handles. That's why the handle was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then mine. And, and so what I would do is I would offer it with, with um, one finger guard and then two, you know, and then uh, I would make, I'm going to make the draw portion of the knife only two inches wide. Uh, the width of my um, grinder wheel and make the, knife one half inch longer and make the hatchet portion of the knife that much longer with a continuous curve from where it starts to the tip. And I think, and then I'm going to taper the tang. But those were all things that people suggested and then that I thought were good ideas from, from people. Right. So it's a, it's a, it's definitely a cool knife. I was, uh, like I said, I was, I was pleasantly surprised uh-huh. Um, and I think everybody that, that messed with it was pleasantly surprised. Yep. Yep. 
So I guess uh, I guess the dude is up. Uh oh, the critter is up. Come here, come here. He wants to go outside, so be prepared for some barking and whatnot. Yeah. Anyway, hey, uh, hang on a second. It, it, it'll take one second. We'll see if he makes noise. Here we go. Oh, he was quiet. He, he was quiet. Very nice. He must have figured out that maybe you can catch stuff if you're in stealth mode. Yeah. Which, you know, I guess eventually you learn to be stealthy when you're trying <laughs> when, to catch when stuff. When you're a dog trying to catch rabbits and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Let, let's see. I have <laughs> literally five minutes. Okay, uh, so what what are we going to talk about now? Cigars. We smoked a lot of cigars. Yeah. Um, look for, uh, let's, let's start a thread with, uh, with the, uh, um, glib in information. Yep. Yeah. I'll let you do that. Yep. And, um, what else? Oh, um, guess who else was there that I forgot to mention? Um, the guy from Florida. Oh, uh, Bill Eccles. Yeah. William Eccles. Uh, mm-hmm. he was there. And uh, he he did. A bunch he's of a nice stuff. guy. I really like him. Yeah, and he, he's and he's I didn't get a chance to spend. What's that? He's really knowledgeable too. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to spend as much time with him as I wanted to, um, mm-hmm. because we were cutting wood and <laughs> doing all that crap. Yeah. Uh, he's a big Jeep guy, and I I really do enjoy his company a lot. He is he is a good just a good guy. Yep. And very sharp, uh, very knowledgeable. You know how I know him? How's that? Uh, he was one of the other guys that was tapped to go on the uh, expedition to South America. Ah, did he go? He he had a conflict or something, but he was tapped. So, and and he's also he's I think he he does some uh, does some survival school stuff in uh, Florida there. Well, he was wasn't he like working with your friend? Who? Which friend? The- the guy that you buffed his uh no no he may have been um but i i would i i've only met him once i don't have anything bad to say about him not talking about william eccles but the guy that jim's talking about i've only met him once i got nothing bad to say about him my experience was with him was good but i i can't claim that he's my friend because he wouldn't know me from freaking adam so you're talking about the guy that lit his arm on fire yeah okay that guy um, but so I've met him once. I talked to him for a bit. Um, and, uh, he, he, but he wouldn't know me from Adam. Um, so, you know, I can't really claim that he's my friend and I don't want that to get out there. Okay. And, um, okay. Yeah. That's um, fair. but yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, uh, Eccles does some I, stuff. With I him. thought, I thought he was doing some stuff with him at one time, but maybe not. Well, maybe he very saying. well may. I, I don't know. I, we haven't talked about it, but um, he's he's actually <clears throat> William Eccles is squared away. Um, okay, so I ended up with a new watch. Oh yeah, that's okay. So people, before we get into this, because I'm I really have to run. Uh, All right, check we'll, us out. We'll, we'll uh, continue podcast this next time. At, no, no, no. We're going to do it. Podcast at knifejournal.com. Send us your hate mail. We we have to get to some of that eventually. I just don't have time today. Um, Check us out on the forums, uh, knifejournal.com, and then there's forums in there. You can interact with us there. But, you know, we answer questions such like this. There's a Knife Journal podcast uh, Facebook page. You can go on there and like that. 
and then Jim's new project, People for the Ethical Treatment of Hatchets <laughs> and Bushcrafting. Anyway, to close us out, Jim's going to tell the epic <clears throat> trade story with uh, Chance Sanders, and then next time I'll get into the Camp Dentist story. Okay. okay. Yeah, that was a good one, too. Yeah. So we're... Um, one of the guys that Dave brings is a 82nd Airborne guy. Um, oh, not, let's see, I'm trying to think of when he, I don't remember when he was in, but he's probably like 38 years, 36, 38 years old. Yeah, he's a combat vet. Yep. And so he's, so he had a watch and mm-hmm. uh, the watch is a um, marathon. Right. But it's the one that doesn't have anything on the face. Okay. Yep. So. So Chance is eyeballing it up, and Chance and I have a long-running kind of a joke. He's got a, um, uh Omega watch, and pretty much anything that he wants of mine, because he always wants something that I have, always. Yeah. And I always say, I'll trade you for the watch. I'll trade you for the watch. Yeah. And, um, you know, of course he says no. And So he starts trading with this other fellow to get this. Um, marathon watch mm-hmm. and I'm looking at it and I'm going eh, you're kind of screwing the guy you know and um what did he so trade what was the what was traded, the original he, trade he the original trade was a um an essay knife that he won at the as a raffle okay I think okay I'm pretty sure that that's what it was that he won so he tra- so so Chance isn't a big fan of that knife, so he trades he trades him for this watch. And I'm looking at it going, you know, the watch is fairly rare. I mean, they're not these are not real common. They're, it's like your watch without a date. Yeah. But but there's no marathon on it. There's right. no there's no markings on it, but it's got tritium dial and it's a it's a uh, navigator watch. Right. So uh after the trade is done, I was like, well, that's like kind of screwing the guy. So he comes over and he wants, and I've got a pair of um, Carl Dwyer moccasins. Which are like, like the, people, if you don't know what these are, it's like the Rolls Royce of moccasins. Yeah. Like it comes with a blonde. Yeah. Like and literally. They're, <laughs> and they're, but they're a little bit too small for me. Right. Okay. And so I was talking with Marty about stretching them out, and you know, so I had them down there anyway. And they're old; I've had them for a long time. So he's eyeballing those things, and he's like, you know, he, he puts one on, and then he puts the other one on, and he's like, well, you know, of course, the first thing he he wants to trade something, and I said, well, how about the how about your Omega? I want your <laughs> I want your Omega. I'll trade you even up for my Omega for the you know, no, no, that that doesn't go anywhere. So, so then he's got this other pack that he like is really excited about that he just got and he was and it's a English um what the hell's the name of Carrymore. English Carrymore bag. It's probably I don't know, maybe three, four hundred dollar bag, three hundred dollar bag anyway. Right, right. And um so he one thing leads to another and we're like, I'll trade you this and that and I'll trade you this and this and this and that and so it ends up being that that I end up with the watch and the carry more for the Carl Dwyer moccasins, <laughs> which is, you know, pretty good. I mean, that's a pretty good trade on my side. Right. Um, and he was happy with it. So that means leads me to believe that he didn't pay anything for the carry more bag or the, 
or the watch because you yeah. won. You know, both both you and Chance get get have some mysterious power which I do not understand to get gear <laughs> for fucking free. So which, anyway, <laughs> so so what ends up happening is we get we make this trade, and I'm thinking in in my head that. The original owner of the watch has not truly been compensated for the watch. Right. So I have a um, a hatchet that he had been eyeballing all weekend long. And I ended up saying, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll trade you this watch or this hatchet for the, that stool that you made. And he looked at me kind of funny and, I, and he's like, really? I was like, yeah, you made me that. You made me that walking stick, and and you know, and I'll trade you even up for that stool, and then and then all will be right with the trading world. And so I did. I did it in front of Chance, and and um, I was kind of I was kind of teasing him a little bit about it because yeah. I told him later I was like, you you kind of kind of shafted the new guy. Yeah. <laughs> so so I ended up I ended up trading that little hatchet for a for a um, uh, for the stool. And and I told him that he needed to carve me something else at a later date. Right. And so um, so I ended up with the watch, the carry more. He chance got his uh, his um, moccasins that he loved, and um, the new guy got a uh, an essay knife, which is okay, I guess, and a really nice hatchet for car- a wood carving hatchet. Yeah. So then all was right in the trading realm. Sweet. Yeah. Well, that's all I know. Um, well, well, we know more, but we'll we'll we'll. I mean, this is going to be a multi-podcast uh, storytelling event here because we have got like a ton of different things that were was going on monkey business-wise. Yeah, that we need to talk about. And uh, as the as as it develops, we'll need to talk a little bit more about. You know the, what? Cool. And I know you got to leave, but you know what I'm holding in my hand. Is that the, what is that? This is the last issue of Tactical Knives, guys. No more Tactical Knives. Gone. Bye bye. Gone. Yeah. Over. Pulled the plug. No more. Uh, no crazy. more Tactical Knives. Gone. I I don't really understand that how that happens, but um, cost and profit. Okay. Gone. People are. You know, my prediction of the internet replacing the printed magazine is coming true a bit 14 years later, but uh, well, 15 years later, 14 years later, I guess, is when, when I said that. Uh-huh. I said that uh, all of the knife magazines are going to be going bye-bye, and uh, one of the three is one-third of, the, one-third of it is gone. Okay. Quick question: When is the new knife journal coming out? We're almost ready. Okay, I, I, we had to re, we had to fix the damn app. Okay, so and then that, then the the other thing I would say is that the reason why you should advertise with like knife journal or with a another electronic oh. media is it's there forever. It's not like a magazine where the guy has it. And once he reads it, it goes in the trash or it gets archived. So if you Listen, if you've spent thirty thousand dollars to um, get your get knife on the cover, uh, if you if you send me thirty thousand dollars, 
I'll put. Hey, I'll make a hundred videos. <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> using your speaking stuff. Of, speaking of which, uh, um, I'm working with a sponsor. Oh, we're, sweet. We're 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 gonna close some kind of a deal with uh, with somebody who is going to sponsor us now. So, are the podcast? Yeah, the podcast. Oh, sweet. <sighs> nice. So, yeah. So we're gonna have a we're gonna have a sponsor. They gonna give us some crap to try out or not? I don't know what they're gonna. I don't. We're we're working on a deal. We'll have to talk about that. Okay. Um, but I'm guessing it's it's a knife company. Very good. Okay. So that's pretty awesome. So with that, uh, I bid you adieu and remember, keep your knives sharp and your friends sharper. And we'll 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 turn another one out pretty quick. Yeah, I think. Hopefully, and in, 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 within the next week, maybe. Um, next Monday morning, maybe, or Tuesday morning. Okay. Okay. Sounds cool. Talk to you soon. Adios. Bye-bye. Bye-bye and bye, Bonds.